my dad actually uh, served in the military in the Korean War, and he was um, drafted. But the thing that my dad often talks about is not so much about what actually happened in Korea, but he talks about the sacrifice of being separated from my mom and uh, our family. And uh, he often will talk about one particular moment that he remembers getting on a bus to leave to fly out to Korea. And he saw his dad for the first time in his life ever cry. Um, they had been together uh, since birth, and he had never seen him cry until that moment. And there are many military families that sacrifice their time and so much of their energy for the freedoms that you and I have. And I was thinking about that there is particularly 1.2 million people who actually gave the ultimate sacrifice of giving their very life and what a debt we owe to them. And I thought today what we could do is be able to recognize and honor uh, any of our veterans who are here, as well as anyone that might be in active uh, military service or in the National Guards. So if you are one of those people, if you could please stand, uh, we would want to honor you uh, in this moment. So please stand. And for those of you that are on the stream, uh, we want to be able to honor you as well, and we're going to do that through this prayer. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for each and every veteran who is here today, for each military service person, for those who uh, are uh, maybe watching on the stream today. God, we are so thankful for the men and women who sacrificed their life for the sake of our freedoms and the country you've given to us. And loving Father, on this weekend, we remember those who gave their lives in battle, and we want to thank you for allowing your one and only Son to give his life in the battle of good and evil so that we could be drawn to you and have a relationship with you. And God, in a world that is so divided right now, we ask and pray for your peace to prevail in this world and help us to be peacemakers in all that we say and in all that we do. We love you and thank you for always being with us and for us. And I pray, God, now that you would move in a great way in this teaching to help us to understand you better and to grow deeper in our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, good morning to all of you that are on the stream and everyone's here. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us. We're actually in the middle of a series called I Didn't Say That. And what we've been talking about are things in our culture that are attributed to God, but that he actually didn't say and are not in the Bible. And the reason we've been going through this particular uh, series is because in our culture, there are many times in which uh, we can learn things about God that just are false. They're not true. And then that becomes a stumbling block 
to the way that we understand God and how we relate and how we connect with him. And it can affect our faith, regardless of where we're at on the spiritual spectrum. It can affect us, and we don't want to do that. We want to be able to grow in our faith and learn to trust God more, not by the statements, but through Scripture, through prayer. And the statement that we're going to look at today is one that many of you will know, and you may have thought, oh, no, I think that is in the Bible, but it actually isn't. And it's this one, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Has anyone ever heard that before? Uh, yeah, God won't give you more than you can handle. Um, my wife, Jennifer, and I, when we purchased our first house, we'd been living in it for about three years when uh, the moment came where she noticed this orange dust that was on the furniture. Now, I probably should have been a little bit more understanding, but I wasn't very emotionally mature at that time. And so when she came to me and she said, Chris, we have this dust on our furniture. I said, well, you need to dust harder. And I said, you know, you need to get your elbow into that. And my wife uh, brought a pledge bottle and she said, go ahead, big boy, you go for it. And so I became the duster for the next few years and the dust just kept coming more and more and more. And we spent uh, thousands of dollars using those duck cleaning guys that go into your ducts, clean out all the dust. And yet it was still there. And during these couple of years, she was actually diagnosed with a hyperthyroid and she had to go on medication and there were medical issues. I was going through seminary during this time and I was barely not flunking, you know, just trying to get through. And during this whole time, we felt God kind of calling us to start a church, but we didn't know where it was to uh, where it was going to be at. And in all of this, all of this is coming to us. We are stressed out to the max. And people would often come to us in the midst of our stress and they'd go, God won't give you more than you can handle. And we were like, this isn't helping. And so that little dust that was on uh, the furniture got more and more and more to where it started going through the ducts into our house. And we had to spend over $10,000 getting rid of all of the ductwork that was down uh, on the main floor and to put it up in the ceiling. And we did all of this. We drained our entire savings account. And this is the thing that we learned, folks. That sometimes there is more in life than what you can handle. And it does not help when people tell you, God will never give you more than you can handle. Now, I realize that this story that I just shared um, is nothing compared to what some of you have gone through in your life. You're like, oh, you're talking about a few things and yet you had to spend money. But, yeah, I've gone through a lot more. And I'm sure you have. And some of you are going through some stuff right now today. Maybe for some of you, it's a health crisis that you're dealing with. Maybe for others of you. It is a relationship with one of your kids and there's some estrangement there and you're struggling with that. Maybe you're a student and you're struggling with whether or not you really want to go back to school because of the struggles that you've had. Maybe for some of you, it's a parent who has estranged you. Maybe you're going through rejection. Maybe you're going through a divorce right now. 
Maybe it's a combination of multiple things all coming at once. And when people come up to you and they tell you, God won't give you more than you can handle, it just doesn't help at all. It doesn't give you any encouragement with what you're going through. I mean, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where multiple things have come and I actually have a lot more than I can handle. And in fact, the reality is, is that most people in the Bible were giving more, were given more than what they could handle. Uh, that's why we encourage you to read scripture, because then you can realize No, that's not in there. This is what's in here. This is what you need to understand about this concept. God will not give you more than you can handle. Because sometimes he gives you uh, or, or you receive stuff in life that is much more than you can handle. Look at these words in Hebrews chapter 11 regarding different people throughout the history of the Bible who were followers of God and looked at what happened to them. It says this. Some were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Now, let me ask you, does that sound like God doesn't give you more than you can handle? (laughs) No! Sounds like it's much more than you could handle. Folks, the reality is that phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, is just not true. It doesn't make sense. Because there are times in our life that we have much more than what we can handle. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. And so the question becomes, does God ever give you more than you can handle? Now, to answer this question, I'd like us to look at a passage in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. And this guy named Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament, he writes this letter uh, to followers of Jesus, and he uses these words of the struggles that are going on. He defines God this way. He says this, Praise be to God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can understand ourselves and can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, this is an amazing passage. Because within this passage, what we find is how God is defined. And Paul defines him this way. He said he is the God of compassion, and he says he is the God of comfort. In fact, he says not just the God of comfort, the God of all comfort, all comfort. You know, one of the problems with the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, is that it almost appears that 
It makes it sound almost like God is the one giving the suffering. God is the one that is creating pain. God is the one that is expressing evil. And yet, if you look at the Bible, God is not evil. God is only always, always good. And also, that God hates suffering. He never wants to see suffering happen to people. I mean, I really need you to understand this. Those of you on the stream and everyone here, that God does not look up from heaven and look down and go, well, I'm going to give this person an abusive parent. I'm going to give this person over here uh, terminal cancer. I'm going to give this family an auto accident that will paralyze them for a long time. God doesn't do that, folks. He either is good or he's evil, but he can't be both. And scripture tells us that he is only always good. In this passage, Paul is quite clear. God is not the father of evil. He is not the God of pain. He is the father of compassion. And like I said earlier, he is the father of all compassion. That it's not just that he gives us comfort, though. He then challenges us to take the comfort and compassion that he gives to us and to bring that healing and that hope to people around us who may be experiencing something similar. And so this leads us to our big idea this morning. And it's your first fill in your blank uh, on your program or on the app. And it's this. God never wastes a hurt. So don't wait. So don't you waste your pain. God never wastes a hurt, so you don't waste your pain. I mean, if you hold on to your pain, if you keep your pain, if you hide your pain, if you hold it back, it doesn't do any good anywhere. But if you're honest with God, if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with some other people that are in your life, God never wastes your hurt And he can use your pain to actually comfort and to care for other people around you. I mean, who can better help someone who's going through bankruptcy than someone who's gone through the pain of bankruptcy and they go, I know exactly what you're going through. I I can feel your pain. Who can better help someone experience the heartbreak of rejection and divorce, then somebody who's like, I remember going through that loneliness. I remember that pain. I remember that hurt. I remember how terrible that felt. Who can better help someone who's going through the grief of the loss of a loved one than someone who's actually gone through the loss of a loved one and they can say, I know you're hurt. I know what you're experiencing. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Everyone on the stream and everyone here that I've never asked our church to do before. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to list some categories of human problems. And if I list anything that you've experienced in your own life, I'm going to invite you to stand. Now, don't stand when that category comes up because then everyone's going to go, Oh my gosh, I didn't know they were going through that, you know. 
Wait until I give all of the experiences, all of the troubles, and then I'm going to invite you to stand. And the reason we're going to do this is because I don't want anyone to leave from this place not being encouraged by knowing that we all experience trouble and that we're not alone. So whenever I share one of these troubles that maybe you've experienced after I've gone through the whole list, at the end of that, I'm going to give you a chance to stand. So here goes the list. If you've ever suffered from deep grief or loss or loneliness... If you or somebody you love has ever been troubled by an addiction or substance abuse or sexual abuse or gambling, if you've ever gone through the pain of betrayal, of divorce, or of a broken family, if you've ever had a miscarriage or you know the ache of wanting to have a child and then not being able to have them, if you've ever known the pain of being fired or downsized or let go, if you've ever gone through cancer or heart problems or the difficulty of some other health condition, if you've ever felt like a failure as a parent, if you've ever felt like a failure as a child, If you know somebody who you love who has ever suffered from anxiety or depression or a mental health challenge or you yourself have experienced that, if you've ever known any of these conditions or in some other way experienced some significant suffering in your life that you could not fix, please stand. Okay? Please stand. Now, for those of you on the stream, I hope that you're standing as well because everybody in this place is standing. And this is what I'd like you to do right now. Look around at the people that are around you. Go ahead. Look at them. You know what they are? They are troubled people. They have gone through some pain and some hurt in their life. And this is what I want you to know. Every single person's got their own stuff. Every single person has a battle that they're going through. Every single one of us. Sometimes it's only known by ourselves and by God, but everybody's going through something. And this is what I want you to know. You are not alone. So, before you sit down, I want you to look at the person beside you and just tell them, I've got big problems too. Go ahead, just tell them. And you can be seated. Now, the reason I wanted to do this exercise is, one, if some of you were starting to fall asleep, now you're awake, okay? But the bigger reason is I wanted you to experience this exercise is because this is the illusion that many of us live in, both in the church and outside of church world. And this is the illusion that Satan gives to us. And it's this. Everybody else has it all together, and I'm going through a lot of problems. I've got some stuff in my life, but everyone else is doing great. And it's just not true. We all have struggles. And have you ever noticed this before? When you look at Facebook or Instagram or any social media, you never have people put something out there. You know what? I'm just not handling life very well. No, no, no. They give their top ten list, don't they? Best picture, best kid, best marriage, best everything. But the reality is, if you want to go to a place where you can actually say, I'm not handling life very well right now, this is the place. It's the church. 
The church is the only place in society that you can go to and say, I'm not handling life well at all today. And you're accepted. There was a a guy that uh, when we used to have uh, the church at the downtown YMCA, just a couple blocks from here, he would drive by the church uh, every single morning for multiple years, but he never went in. And he said typically he would drive by when people were walking out and people would walk out and they would be smiling at each other and waving at each other and giving each other hugs. And he would just drive by during this time. And eventually he gave his life to Christ and uh, he started walking inside the door. But I'll never forget one of the first times that I got a chance to talk to him in the Y. He said, hey, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I used to drive by here all the time. And I saw all these people walking outside. And when they would walk outside, I would look at them and I'd say, man, those people have it all together. And I don't. And then he said this, I know if I went into the gym, there would be death of everyone because the ceiling would cave in. And you know, when he first told me this, I kind of laughed just like you guys did. And then you know what? It became a haunting experience for me. Because this is what I want you to know today. Is that I never want the jar to be known as a community of the triumphant. I never want us to be known as a community that people have it all together. I always want the jar to be known as a community of troubled hearts. People who have flubbed up, messed up, screwed up in life, and yet God still loved them in the midst of that. That God loves me, that God's for me, and the people beside me, the people who are sitting beside me, love me as well. Because that's the essence of what the church should be about. Well, our scripture in 2 Corinthians continues on. And Paul discusses his troubled heart. So first he says, you know, we read that scripture about this is what the people of God were experiencing. And then he says, but God's a God of comfort. But then he says, no, I've gone through some trouble in my own life. And I just want you to rate this from a scale of one to ten. Ten being, man, this guy is experiencing some trouble. After I read this, what trouble level would you give to Paul? This is what he says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we have experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now, let me ask you real quick, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give to him on the fact that he is in trouble? 10! Like 10, right? He's saying death is coming and I can't endure the suffering that I'm at. Now, I want all of you to look up here. Everybody who's on the stream, uh, come back together if you've gone out and got your coffee. All right, let's all look here for a moment because I want to explain something to you. Now, if you had really, really bad trouble in your life 
and it was the worst trouble you had, that would be the maximum trouble that you would be at. That is all you could endure. And it would be at this point. All I can endure. It's right up to this point. Of course, God, though, never gives you more than you can handle, right? Because it's only up to this point. That would be the limit. That would be the maximum amount of trouble you could experience. But Paul says that wasn't his limit. He actually says that the troubles were not just what he could endure, because that was the maximum. He said they were even all more than he could do endure. They were actually beyond what he could endure. He says, this is what I could endure. This is all that God will give to you. But he says, this is what I experienced. It was beyond what I could endure. And then he goes on to say this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Folks, the question is not... What can I handle? But the question is, is there any way that God and I could endure something more than what I could endure? I read a statement uh, the last couple of weeks that I thought was powerful. You might want to get your uh, phone out, take a picture of the side screen. For those of you who are on the stream, uh, you know, uh, take a scan shot of this. But this is really important to look at. And the quote was this, it's not that God won't give you any more than you can handle, but that God will help you handle whatever you've been given. God will help you handle whatever it is that you have been given. Because he is the God of all compassion, he is the God of all comfort, and he says, I can help you to handle even that which you can't handle on your own. So how does God do this? How does he comfort us? Well, there are multiple ways that he does this, but one of the ways is through Scripture. Another way is through prayer. Uh, That's why one of the things that I encourage people all the time is to Get a daily reading, and if you don't have one, you can stop by Guest Connections and get one, or you can go on our website. But to have a daily reading of the Bible, just 10 minutes, maybe a day, maybe 15, that you're reading, because when trouble hits and there's multiple things going all at once, you need a comfort that's beyond yourself. And so, uh, a few weeks ago, I was feeling kind of anxious and fearful about some stuff going on in my life and in my family's life. And I had a daily reading that I was reading and I didn't have to look for anything because it was right there. And in Psalm 56, three, this is what it said when I read it. Whenever I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. And I only needed that little bit and all of a sudden, I, I left from that morning feeling anxious and feeling a sense of fear. It's all of a sudden a sense of trust because whenever I'm afraid, I'll put my trust not in myself, but I'll put my trust in God. 
And those words penetrated my being and it changed my mind. The circumstances did not change, but my mind changed. And sometimes people find that with music. That's why I encourage people to listen to Christian music, K-Love, Air One, whatever it is. Something that allows your mind to be set on things above and not on the circumstances that are there. And maybe the greatest way that God comforts us is with the comfort of other people who are right beside us. This is why being in church matters so much. Because you can get a lot of stuff without coming here. But the one thing you can't get is an encouragement, a smile, someone who builds you up, someone that says, hey, you're going to make it. You are special. You're important. We're glad you're here. You know, every week I uh, talk with a friend of mine, a guy by the name of Chuck, and sometimes we talk multiple different times. And we usually talk about the trials, our temptations, try to hold each other accountable. And I've known him for over 15 years, and so we've done this for for multiple years together. And uh, one of the things that we've realized in this 15-year friendship is that there have been many things that life has thrown us that we could not handle. And I was thinking about Chuck and some of the things that he had gone through. I still remember the time that his wife left him and he went through the pain and the torture and the horrible feeling of a family being torn apart and the divorce that took place. And I was there with him and I didn't have any words. just said, I don't get it, but I'm here. I'm here. I remember when his teenage daughter uh, at the time got pregnant and he thought he was not much of a father and that he felt the shame of not being able to raise her the way that he had hoped to. And then all of a sudden he felt that shame. I remember when his teenage son was diagnosed with a learning disability and he wasn't uh, able to fix it. He couldn't get it together. He struggled to manage that. He's still going through that. I remember when his other daughter um, had the joy of having the birth of a child and everything was going well. And then a few hours later, the baby died. You know, folks, during those times when my friend Chuck was going through stuff, you know what I did not tell him? God won't give you more than you can handle. I just said, I'm here. I'm here. I didn't say, you know, things are going to have a way of always working out. Things are going to get better. I promise. No, I just said, I'm here. I'm here. I didn't say, hey, you know, there's a way that everything's going to work out. I just said, no, 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 no. I'm I'm here. I'm here. Everything happens for a reason. That's what people say, right? Everything happens for a reason. It doesn't help. What helps, folks, is for a person to just say, I'm here. I'm here. Folks, I don't know why stuff like that happened to my friend Chuck. But this is what I do know. That I'm so moved by him almost every single week of the love and the trust that he has for Almighty God. 
And I mean, I really do believe there is meaning to Chuck's suffering. There's meaning to your suffering. There's meaning to my suffering. I believe that God never wastes a hurt. People without a job, people without a home, people who get rejected, people who get divorced, people whose kids live, people who get cancer, people who get hurt by the church. I get it. I'm here. I'm here. Folks, what we are is a community of the troubled heart. And we should never think that we are a community of the triumphant and we have it all together. No, we're the community of the cross who has a resurrected God who says, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I wanted to close today by just giving you a couple of practical examples for you to kind of live out today. One's kind of a step and then the other one's a question. And here's the first kind of Step that I want you to take, and it's this identify your deepest pain. Identify your deepest pain. Maybe it happened a long, long time ago. Maybe it just happened this past week. But whatever it is, bring that whatever it is to God and grieve it and question it and mourn it, pray over it, trust it, and then release it. To Almighty God. And then don't waste your wound. Don't waste your pain. Instead, I want you to ask a question. And this is the question. Ask God, who is it that you're asking me to help? God, who is it that you want me to help? Who is going through something right now that you've experienced? Have your eyes open, your binoculars out. Who is it that I could help? And send a text, write a note. Better yet, go to their house, let them know. You're not alone. Because I don't want anyone leaving from this place today thinking that they're the only one with a troubled heart. Because we all experience that. And God is simply saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Now I'm going to ask you to do something if you feel comfortable doing so. Just so that the person beside you or around you doesn't feel like they're alone. If you would, just place your hand on their shoulder. And to let them know, you know what? I'm here. I care. You're not alone. And if you have to move to find somebody or do that, that's fine too. But let me pray for you right now. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you so much for being a God of comfort, for being a God of compassion. Bring comfort right now in this moment, I pray, God, to each and every person here live and on the stream. Let people know that you are with them, that you are for them, that you never walk away from them in their pain. 
I pray for people who are grieving. I pray for people who have fear. I pray for people who are going through a health crisis. I pray for people with regrets. I pray for people who feel all alone. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would bring comfort and your love and your care into every single heart that may be experiencing some wound, some pain right now. Now, the reality is some of you are hurting right now and you're experiencing a void that's deep in your life right now in this moment. And the reality is as you go through your life, you just feel more hurt, more pain, more struggle. You feel like you're alone. And yet today, maybe you realize that God never leaves me. He's constantly saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And so today, if you feel alone, if you feel isolated, if you've never given your life to God, if you always try to do it on your own, I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And maybe for some of you, you're making a recommitment to your life of saying, man, I'm going through some stuff right now. It's so hard. Uh, No one really knows what I'm going through except God. But I need a newness in my relationship with Him. I need a refreshment of His Spirit. And so today, if you're ready to say, I need a fresh start, I need your forgiveness, I need your grace, I need your love, I need a newness in you, then I'm going to invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. But as we pray, you never pray alone here at the jar. Because we're not the community of the triumphant. We're the community of troubled hearts who pray together and no one prays alone. So if you would, just... Bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Send me your comfort. Send me your compassion. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.